Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 148 of At Odds with Wrestling. Joe and Adam here. Adam, how are we doing tonight, my man? Uh, I'm hungover. I'm tired. And if you hear my stomach growling over the microphone, I apologize. It's it's been a couple. It's been a day and a half. Hungover. What what was what, what caused for celebration in the middle of the week that you were out <laughs> drinking? Well, Joe, I hate to burst your bubble, but not all alcohol drinking is celebratory. But uh, oh, okay. Well. Know, you know, sometimes, sometimes you gotta, you know, you gotta crack a couple open in the middle of the week and fall asleep in your dining room on the floor. <laughs> I, I guess. I hope you didn't roll into like any collect. No, you have your collectibles hidden in a special room, right? Uh, well, there, among other places, I have, I have a toy room, as most grown men do, and sure. then I, then I do have detolfs in the dining room, but I was on the other side of the floor, so mm-hmm. I, they were safe. And I don't I don't flail around when I'm when I'm sleeping. So I, I, I woke up pretty much in the same spot. I just look for like the spittle puddle, you know, <laughs> so I didn't really move around much. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, <laughs> I, I hope uh, things are better now. Oh, yeah. Everything's good, buddy. I'm in a good mood, uh, you know, cross promotion here as uh, I'm getting ready to record the uh, Patreon show for Longbox Heroes tomorrow night with Todd as we record this, and it was my assignment, and uh, I assigned Todd to watch Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, okay. Which is, I, which is, which is one of my favorite movies. I have, I just recently, I guess, like during the pandemic, saw it for the first time. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I heard that story uh, that you saw at the drive-in. <laughs> Yes, yes. Uh, uh, hold on, I'm gonna go get another beer. Right? <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I have a, I have, if if you need to drink away the pain, uh-huh. I have a forty, a, I have a forty-one minute clip for you to listen to in a drinking game to play, <laughs> and I think that'll kind of put you right out. All right. Well, we'll talk about that later then. <laughs> we talked about it before we started recording, but you get yeah. what I'm saying. Oh, all right. Kayfabe, right. K- K- buddy. K- oh, oh, okay. <laughs> And now, At Odds With Wrestling presents This Day in Wrestling History. So we're going to get right into it here. This Day in Wrestling History. It's a good one. It's a big one. A lot of things happen on this day in wrestling history. All right. If you say so. All right. So, again, we always, I always like to jump around here with this. Uh, so, uh, on this day in wrestling history... In 2006, Chikara from the Hellertown, whatever the hell it was called, uh, Hellertown, Pennsylvania, the crushing weight of mainstream ignorance, those Chikara shows titled, oh boy. (laughs) Uh, This is available on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Uh, I would say notable matches on this included Eddie Kingston taking on Larry Sweeney with Eddie Kingston defeating Larry Sweeney for the uh, ICW-ICWA Texarkana Television Championship. Oh. As well as uh, Icarus taking on Jigsaw in a hair versus mask match, uh, which was set up the month before in a videotaped promo from then. See, during this era in Chikara, the hierarchy, uh, the kayfabe hierarchy was, I was the director of fun, but then there was one person in kayfabe that was above me, and that was Bob Saget. <laughs> and the the way that that happened was when they were making one of the first Chikara shirts, 
uh, it would have like the Chikara logo on the front, and then on the back it'd be like a spiral of all the competitors' names. And then as a goof, they decided like, oh, put Bob Saget's name in there, right? Sure. And then that became like a running joke. And then someone ran into Bob Saget at an airport and asked him to record something for this, and he was very accommodating. Uh, this was before uh, Cameo, and this was before the holy original thing that Pro Wrestling Tees is doing that's not Cameo. Mm-hmm. Um, so apparently Bob Saget swore greatly and it had to be heavily edited. Yeah. And the only people that knew that the Bob Saget thing was going to happen was uh, Mike Quackenbush, the person who was actually in charge, me, and the guy who was queuing up the video. On the sheet in the back, uh, big pull-apart brawl, and it just says Chikarson comes out to set up the match for the hair versus mask deal, right? Mm. But that's not what happened. So I come out, I I, I have my cell phone, which, which obviously it's 2006, so it was definitely a flip phone. <laughs> I come out and I'm talking to someone for real, wink. Um, not wink, but I'm winking into the microphone. And then I throw to the video. So everybody's in the ring and they throw to this Bob Saget video setting up the match instead of me setting up the match. So it was like, Pulling that on everyone, like, nobody knew that that was going to happen. Like, the boys didn't know that was going to happen, right? Yeah, no, that's awesome. So that's fun. Uh, then, 10 years later, 2016, AIW Absolution number 11, uh, emanating from uh, Our Lady of Mount Carmel in the beautiful uh, town of Cleveland, also available on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Uh, some of the more notable matches on this one uh, is... Ray Rowe, who's one of the Viking Raiders, I forget what his Viking Raider name is, mm-hmm. uh, taking on Tim Donst, uh, Dom Guarini and Tracy Williams taking on Cheech and Colin, uh, uh, Ethan Page versus Josh Prohibition versus Josh Alexander for the title in the main event, and then uh, in a mixed tag match that I say go back and watch just for you know, I guess, I don't know what sake. I'm at a loss for words. Uh, Candice LeRae and Johnny Gargano take on the team of EC3 and Carly Perez. Uh, Carly Perez, I forget what her World Wrestling Entertainment name was. But when EC3 was Derek Bateman, they were connected on screen. She was Maxine in World Wrestling Entertainment. Okay, probably on, like, the NXT that nobody watched. Right. The, well, okay, so the NXT that nobody watched, but the NXT, because nobody watched, they could do whatever they wanted, right? Yeah. So uh, they were tied, so they were a couple with Johnny and Candice, who were a couple, and I think it's very little wrestling and lots of gaga. I think the match bell-to-bell goes 45 minutes. Um, yeah, I don't know. Watch at your own risk, but it's definitely like a time capsule of that era of AIW. You know what I mean? Yeah. All right. Now, and almost, I would say the biggest thing that happened on this day in wrestling history in 2001, uh, again, also in Cleveland, uh, hotbed of professional wrestling, the Cleveland territory always off and popping. Uh, this is the... 20th anniversary of the Invasion pay-per-view. Okay. One of the greatest pay-per-views. One of the greatest angles ever, Joe. Uh, (laughs) Definitely not blundered at all. Okay. (laughs) So, greatest angles of all time, yes. 
Was it bungled? Absolutely. But there's still a lot of good stuff that happened from this. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to run a thing and say how many of the matches that you can name from this, but there's like 40 matches on the show. (laughs) Um, But this is the deal where like building up to it, Stone Cold was hurt. So he wasn't really wrestling. He was doing run-ins and stuff. Mm. But it was a lot of the comedy stuff with him and Kurt and Vince backstage and Vince cutting the promos that he wanted the old Stone Cold back. And it was at this pay-per-view where Steve Austin turned on the World Wrestling Entertainment and joined up with the Alliance. I was, you know, I was thinking about this time, this this era of WWE uh, over the last couple days because watching wrestling and specifically WWF wrestling like having the crowds back and now they're chanting what again. Oh. And I, I just want to go, if I had a time machine and I can only fix wrestling related stuff, I would go back and like cut the break lines of whoever, cut, you know, wrote that promo, you know? <laughs> so we'd never have what chance ever again. Well, I think it was inspired by a thing with him and RVD because this is when like the ECW and WCW guys were having trouble fitting in and they were getting, heavily ribbed both behind the behind the scenes and on camera by the WWE folks mostly yeah. Austin and Bradshaw really mm. but to to look at this year 2001 okay mm. at WrestleMania this year Austin turns heel 2 months later at the King of the Ring when the invasion thing happens and Booker T comes out and attacks him and it's now essentially WWE are the heels in the feud and the alliance are the heels Austin has now turned face now here a month later in July, Austin turns heel again to rejoin the Alliance. And then this November, when this angle gets blown off <laughs> and Ric Flair comes out that he was part of the consortium that bought whatever, 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 Austin turns face again. So in the span of seven months, Austin turns heel, face, heel, face. What does he think he is, the big show? Ah, there you go. Thank you very <laughs> much. And... There was a time where I would say that on this day in wrestling history, this would be the biggest thing that happened. And I I got no problem in being biased when it comes to these sort of things. One year ago on this day, Adam, was Eddie Kingston's debut in AEW. Monumentous day, if you ask me. I saw when you sent the email of what we were going to cover for, for this day in history, it had the three things on there. And I said audibly, I was like, what about Eddie Kingston? And then luckily for you, you correct it with a follow-up email. But uh, I was a little worried there for a minute. <laughs> you know, other than just a thumbs-up reply email, if I miss something, that's what those emails are for. <laughs> well, I was gonna, I was making sure that you caught it because I would have called you to task on it on the oh, show. Oh, okay. I forgot, you know, as I often do. But yeah, I mean, uh, huge stuff, obviously. I... I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, I'm an Eddie Kingston fan since day one, but he's another one of those guys that I'm like, God damn it, I missed the boat on him, and I'm I'm glad that I'm having the opportunity now, and and so is like the entire wrestling world, you know? Yeah, which is awesome. Uh, you know, we'll we'll talk about what we liked and didn't like in the last week of wrestling. Uh, if I have to pinpoint anything that I, you know, that was missing from Dynamite this past week, the fact that there was no Eddie Kingston on this week. Yeah, that's the unofficial third dislike, right? Yes. Um, But he has the match with Cody. It was taped. 
they did a good job of keeping it under wraps. Uh, I may have had it stooged off to me about a day beforehand. And I remember like tweeting out, I'm like, okay, you re-, like, everyone's like, you need to watch the beginning of Dynamite. You need to watch the beginning of Dynamite. I didn't know what was going to happen in the match. I just knew it was happening, right? Yeah. And then I think it was maybe two weeks later, maybe less, when they tweeted out the uh, Eddie Kingston's All Elite and he got signed. So he wasn't signed a year ago today, but he was signed like I like two weeks shy of a year ago today. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm not the type of person, you know, I know in uh, quote unquote legitimate sports, people have been like, oh, you're a bandwagon jumper. You're just getting to the Patriots now, whatever. Right. When it comes to wrestlers like an Eddie Kingston or Orange Cassidy or whoever it is, doesn't matter if you were there from day one, day one ish or the first time that you saw them. Welcome aboard. Yeah. Thank you. The more the merrier. Let's all go. Uh, I'm not here to judge anyone's level of fandom of the same people that I like. I'm just glad that you, anyone, Adam, likes the same things that I like because that makes my life easier. (laughs) I joke around and say, whether it be wrestling or comic books or movies or TV shows, I would say, if everyone just liked the same stuff that I liked, life would just be so much easier. Yeah. Um, And I'm trying to think, was there an unwieldy Joe Sposto hashtag or were you just on the hashtag sign Eddie Kingston bandwagon? uh, I think it was just... I I think, no, there was no unwieldy hashtag for that. Okay, I wasn't um, sure. So, okay, so There's I don't so want to pull. I don't want to pull back the curtain on the hashtags thing. <laughs> <laughs> but when it's like a serious one, I'm not gonna like do the like the 900 character one, you know. <sighs> when it's a serious one of like sign Eddie Kingston, I'm like, okay, I don't want to fuck his deal up, you know, because I want to be an asshole. Yeah, but All like right. tweeting out to get Orange Cassidy on the red carpet of the Fast Whatever Furious premiere, that's eh, kind of tongue in cheek. If it happens, it happens. But I think because uh, the hashtag is supposed to be like easy, easily searchable, showing up on like when they put it on screen or something, or it shows up in your like trending things. It's something quick and it's something easy for you to find. But when it's like a big, long, unwieldy hashtag, <laughs> I just think that's funny. <laughs> I, I one of these days I want one of your hashtags to be up in like the upper corner of like an AEW show or something like that where they run out of space and it has to it's, go across the entire screen. It's the whole scroll. It's <laughs> yeah. my stupid hashtag. <laughs> one day we'll get one trending. One day. Nah, listen, I, I I'm I think uh, I don't I, well, again I don't know I I don't know the social media people I know people but for every like two people i know in AEW, there's one that doesn't like me so it's gonna even out eventually so (laughs) oh well so like i said a busy day and there was stuff that i left off if we were doing birthdays i think there was something like 10 wrestlers that all had birthdays today which was ridiculous you know Mm. like notable wrestlers like it's like oh it's today's joe schmo's birthday but it's like no it's like big deal wrestlers had their birthdays today all right, who's the number one? Who's the number one big deal wrestler had a birthday? I didn't, I didn't write it down, but I could find it here real quick. But you said there were big deal people, Joe. One I, not standing out? No, because I don't have the list in front of me. Nah. When I when I see that many... Um, like, that many birthdays, I'm like, oh, I'm not even going to bother, you know? Yeah. Well, now I don't want to know. Forget about it. <laughs> Now you're going to make me look. (laughs) 
I I am putting my foot down. Don't you dare tell me one wrestler who has a birthday today. Okay. Okay. So, haha. Screw you. So, uh, Akira Tozawa, uh, Kenny King, Fandango, Fabulous Moolah, David Von Erich, and some Mike Hotchenbackham, Hickenbottom, what's this name? That doesn't matter. Not important. <laughs> uh, all right. So the greatest of all time has his birthday today. No, no wonder Brett's, why you tried to. <laughs> Brett's birthday was two weeks ago. Oh, son of a bitch. And so was and Terry Funk's birthday was like three weeks ago, and Mick Foley's birthday was six weeks ago. So like, I, don't, I don't know why you're listing all these like so-so people. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I should have remembered that Sean's because I saw like a bunch of people. It's like because <laughs> the cultivated timeline that I have, it's like, hey, it's Sean Michaels' birthday. Here's a picture of Bret Hart, <laughs> <laughs> my buddy Brian. <laughs> He's like, happy birthday, Sean. And it's the gift from SummerSlam 97 of Brett just hawking like the biggest loogie on Sean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. My heart can't stand it. Uh, so uh, let's get into what we liked and didn't like in the last seven days of uh, the world of professional wrestling. As always, I throw it to you. All right. I'm going to start off with a like. And Joe, this warmed my heart. Not often do I talk about getting pure joy from seeing something on TV, let alone WWE TV. And the thing that is my likes, first of all, is the main roster debut of Karrion Cross. And the reason why this is in my, the reason why this is in my likes, Joe. All right. First of all, they bring them out with very little fanfare in advance. They're just like, hey, Karrion Cross is debuting in a minute or two. Call all your friends. And then he comes out without Scarlet. So immediately, like, 90% of his, like, appeal is gone. He comes out to Crickets, which, oh, my God, Joe, best thing ever. Just Crickets. The crowd does not give a shit. And then they're like, oh, who are we going to have him face? So, like, somewhere they dusted off Jeff Hardy and sent him out there. And I'm like, oh, okay, you know, Karrion Cross is going to crush, like, completely checked out and barely on TV Jeff Hardy. And you know what? Jeff Hardy wins. And, like, really quickly. And they just buried Karrion Cross and they stuck him on Raw where I don't give a shit and I won't watch it. And it's the best thing ever. Now, if we can only get him off of NXT, it'll be the perfect storm. But my number one like this week is that Karrion Cross completely buried. The crowd doesn't care. The worst probably debut of a former or I guess current NXT champion uh, just couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Kudos to Karrion Cross. Uh, not in my likes. Um, I don't want to say that I feel bad for Karrion Cross. Uh, but I say we as fans shouldn't be surprised that someone coming up from NXT would be handled. And you could read all the dirt sheet stuff that you want to, um, but <laughs> we're not Karrion Cross fans. I definitely think Karrion Cross is overrated. Um, I, I definitely think there's a place for him on the main roster, but this was not it. <laughs> and I don't know if you know, saw that there, the next two weeks of NXT are taped. I did not see that. Okay, uh, so one, I'm going to tell you, don't go looking up the spoilers, okay? I seldom do, but go ahead. Okay, because a ton of big shit happened uh, to set up for TakeOver, right? Okay. But there was a carry. this I will tell you, uh, there was a carry and Cross segment that they had to retape 
because when he came out to do his promo, the uh, the fans chanted Hardy at him. <laughs> so they had to retape it without the fans doing that. <laughs> what, they just tell him to be quiet? I don't know. I, I don't know that much. It just says that they had to redo the promo because they couldn't use the first one because the entire time, the, the all the fans, which isn't a ton, there's only 300 people or whatever it is there for the NXT tapings, uh, were chanting Hardy at him. Oh, poor guy. That that couldn't have humiliated them at all. <laughs> no, definitely not. Uh, so, hey, I'm going to go with a like, right? All right. Uh, so, Money in the Bank pay-per-view was this past weekend. Things happened. Uh, people won their cases. There was a lot of feel-good moments. Um, <laughs> this is somebody else's joke, but uh, some say the Roman Reign Edge match is still going on as we speak. But no, no, <laughs> that match, again, my kid, because I love. But it wasn't so much as that match, but it was what happened after the match. When John Cena returned. And John Cena comes out. He should have kept his hat on. <laughs> I would have. I keep my John Cena hat on all the time. Um, but I think we all kind of knew Cena was coming back to build for SummerSlam, but it was still such a cool moment. Uh, comes out at the end of the thing, sets up uh, the match at SummerSlam for him and Roman Reigns, and unlike some other people that have a big name and also made a return to the World Wrestling Entertainment in the last seven days, uh, Cena was on the pay-per-view, he was on Raw, he's going to be on SmackDown this week, and apparently he's doing a bunch of the house shows. Oh, they still so, have shows. Yeah, well, we call, we call them super shows now because it's both Raw and SmackDown branded events. Oh, all right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the the that's the new touring schedule. It's um you know Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Friday, Monday are TV, Saturday, Sunday are uh house shows, live events, super shows, whatever the hell they call them. They're gonna be house shows forever. You know? Yeah. But yeah, Cena was back. It was awesome. I loved it. And uh, I really need that separate episode uh, after Marcus and Todd do their power ranking of football helmets. Uh I need Marcus to go down the power listing uh, from strongest to least strongest of Cena color shirts. Oh, I know. I've seen that tweeted out from... He he only teased it on... Uh, uh, viewer's choice this past week. I want the full ranking. I want to know what the least powerful is. Uh, you know, because then he has... So there's several different colors, but then there's the dark green that he wore this week. He's kind of had like more of a neon green. He's had a different green. So which green are we talking about? He's had multiple black shirts that have different designs on them. Now are we getting into like... So there's seven different black shirts and each design has a different power ranking. Oh, see, that's tough because I would just assume... You know, and again, I'm basing this on nothing. It's the color itself because he has a different logo or whatever on like every shirt. So he's probably had hundreds of different shirts. So I don't think he has hundreds of different power levels. You know, I think that he might have, you know, if there's 10 different colors, you know, that that's a scale of dominance of one to 10. Mm -hmm. But again, I'm just Marcus needs to elaborate on this. So. Uh, I know for a fact. I heard on good authority that the wheels are in motion of the on the football helmet show. But oh, I feel really? Like, yeah. I, and again, I say that based on nothing. But uh, <laughs> like, I feel like all of that momentum to get that show rolling should be put like halted because I do want to know, uh, you know, what the deal is with those colors. I mean, again, maybe we can fit it in between uh, recordings of Guy Conics. You know? <laughs> 
but yeah, going back to the John Cena thing, uh, I have never been a huge John Cena fan. I was probably, you know, long before this podcast, when I was just complaining into the air in my house, I was probably one of the bigger John Cena critics. But now that he's gone and he comes back every once in a while, I pop when it happens. And it might have just been a combination of, hey, I haven't seen you, you know, since last WrestleMania, you know, like a year and so year plus from like now. And then the fact that you're you have the live crowd again. And there's just something about like hearing that Orange Cassidy pop come from a huge arena mm-hmm. that just like it has to affect you if you're a wrestling fan or, you know, it, it, whether it's The Rock showing up or, you know, whoever it's always a cool moment right cool all right i'm gonna go over to a dislike and that is uh from aew this week we had just a a real must-see match on paper joe i'm just shocked that this didn't you know evolve into a five-star classic but that is chris jericho versus the chairman sean spears uh and in this match for whatever reason, uh, chairs were legal for Sean Spears only. And whatever, something happens during the match. I think Jericho wins. Who cares? But after the match, <laughs> after the match, uh, some indie guy named Nick Gage debuts. And uh, I don't know, maybe more on that in a minute. But uh, And then afterwards, we find out that Jericho is going to have to wrestle this Nick Gage guy but not the Chris Jericho that we've seen over the past year, Joe. We're going to get the return of the Painmaker, the Painmaker who wears the fedora and says, Milady and <laughs> wears clown makeup. Um, but uh, I- I'm just really not happy about the fact that we're going to have to watch some fat, drugged out, has-been wrestle Nick Gage. Uh, <laughs> what? But, Wait a minute. Uh, but it is nice to see that Nick Gage is finally getting his ducks in order, knowing that he's not going to have the GCW title to defend for very much longer. So he has to kind of have his like post GCW career started. But uh, yeah, not not looking forward to the pain maker reappearing and did not enjoy the Sean Spears Jericho match. Now, I I didn't hate this the match. Mm hmm. Uh, I would probably say it's been it was Sean Spears' best match in his AEW career, which is you know he was like one of the day one signee guys. Um, him and Jericho I thought worked really well together. Um, the painmaker thing, the reveal, oh my, like the, so you have Fathead Marvez there, right? And yeah. the the way the camera is framed, they spoil the surprise because it's not framed properly. And you can see the stupid spikes on his jacket, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, which leads us to believe that if we're going to buy into the kayfabe of, you know, this being set up this way, that Jericho just travels with the Painmaker outfit all the time just in case. Yeah. <laughs> um and it's you like sit oh, behind I glass. This, I, I took this horrendous yeah, in, in, <laughs> in case of emergency break glass and it's the pain maker outfit behind it. <laughs> oh my god. So uh so and again if we're gonna believe the kayfabe, he has this grueling match with Sean Spears. Now he has to fight this this deathmatch champion next week. I know what I'm gonna do to prepare. Go paint my face up and make scary faces at the camera. <laughs> Oh my god. I can't imagine anyone looks and like, man, this pain maker thing is super cool. And like it, it's and it's not like it's a three faces of foley thing where it's like, oh well dude love is this character and 
Mick Foley, like, Mankind is this and Cactus Jack is this. And, like, Jericho in his mind is like, oh, no, Y2J is a different persona than the Demo God and the Pain Maker and all these things. And it's just like, he has a very high opinion of himself, does Chris Jericho. I wonder if Chris Jericho thinks that, like, in the eyes of the fans, the Pain Maker is his, like, demon, like, for Finn Balor. I think Although, so. Like, Absolutely. I'm going to only bust this out for the big matches. Like, when I, this is my dark passenger coming out to, to take care of the heavy lifting. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, it's the demon. It's Cactus Jack. It's, like, you know, whatever, like, dark persona. It's, like, I have to dig down deep and, like, do whatever. And yeah. it's, like, no, I'm going to put King Diamond makeup and a fedora on. Look out, everyone. <laughs> Oh, Christ. Uh, but Adam, you mentioned Nick Gage. Oh, yeah. my God. What, yeah. a car- what, what a landmark career he's going to have. Over the course of the next seven days, he's going to have the privilege of losing to both Chris Jericho and Broski. You know what? It, it, that's the thing about sports and entertainment. It doesn't matter if you win. If you're just in there with somebody significantly more over and significantly you know, bigger than you, it still gives you the rub. So it, it won't hurt him to lose those matches. Moving on. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, do I want to do a Let's. You know what? I'll do a dislike. We're talking about AEW. Um, the Britt Baker-Nyla Rose match. Okay. Um, this match was really bad. Uh, Nyla was moving real slow. Um, there was multiple times where I caught them just, like, blatantly talking over spots. (laughs) And then, like, fucking those spots up and then repeating those spots. Um, and I know we're all not, we're not supposed to say anything bad about Britt Baker for some reason. But, again, obviously, it's wrestling, it's a performance, it takes two to tango. Um, she worked real hard, three stars in this match. Mm. Um, I just don't think that, uh, her and Nia mi- or, uh, Nyla Rose mixed, excuse me. Um, and to steal a, fr- uh, to steal a phrase from Kevin Nash from the Broken Skull Sessions this past week, they mixed like, they mixed like oil and sand. <laughs> um, and I wouldn't say that I bit on any of the false finishes. It was more like, oh shit, I would have went home there. Oh, they're still going. Oh, no. Oh, they went for another. They tried the crucifix spot for the third time in a row. Oh, no. Oh, no. It made Brit look really bad. And I know they want Brit to be heel for whatever reason. The crowd does not want it. I don't know why they're going against it. Um, If you were to go and look back at the majority of our dislikes on this show, sadly, most of them are about the handling of the dub the AEW women's division. Mm-hmm. There has been good stuff there. There's been great stuff there, but for every, uh, Britt Baker, Thunder Rosa, you know, whatever that hardcore match they had was. Yeah. Th- there's six missteps, you know, um, hopefully they course correct when they do the show in Pittsburgh in two or three weeks, it's three weeks in Pittsburgh. Um, they do the full babyface turn for Brit there, and then they could stop trying to have her be a heel. Yeah, I was fortunate enough to not watch this match. I just fast forward right through it. I just checked in on the finish just to make sure that they didn't, for whatever bizarre reason, put the belt on Nyla Rose or have her win by some other match. So it was just, I was concerned about that. But uh, I, I feel like, and this could just be in my brain, but I feel like I've... Th- 
as bad as you're saying the match was, haven't they wrestled each other like a hundred times on television since AEW started? It just feels like that maybe. But uh, as you say, yes, there's plenty of better people that could be in this spotlight. Uh, I'm kind of sick of Nyla Rose. She is not, you know, able to keep up with some of the other people. But as you said, you know, bet, negative credit to Britt Baker. But once again, I say this could have been the faces uh, spots, you know, the face of AEW women's wrestling. But whatever. I'm a broken record on that. Yeah, and I get, you got to cycle different people in for different spots or whatever it is. Um, but they have enough of a roster. There could be people that they're cycling in and out to this. And I don't know why every time that there's a new title contender, like Nyla is always the first. Like, and I could pick this match apart until I'm blue in the face. Like, Nyla's whole gi- gimmick is that she's the native beast. She's the biggest woman in the b- division, you know, like powerful, strong, and everything else. And like Brit is just like throwing her around like nothing, you know. Like you could have worked in like a couple struggle spots with her, you know. Yeah. Um, I don't know if like, and again, I- I'll get into it. I'll give a shit. I don't know if it's Billy Gunn or BJ Whitmer or both of them that are aging the women's matches still. But I know like early on they were, and the matches were real bad. And then Jerry Lynn stepped in, and they got better. But I don't know if, like, this was a BJ Whitmer or a Billy Gunn agent in match. But this match was bad. And it kind of, you know, the program has been bad. The buildup to this match has been bad. So, you know, put Britt in there with a bunch of, like, like just have her cut promos and have her only wrestle on the big shows or whatever it is. There's things that you could do with Britt. And the only silver lining to that this match was Tony Schiavone doing his Don West calling an amazing red match. Where Don West, I don't think new wrestling was a work. Mm-hmm. And he fell in love with Amazing Red because of how amazing he was. And Don West would no longer be calling uh, Amazing Red's matches as a non-biased commentator. He would stand on his chair and lead the crowd in Go Red Go chants. <laughs> and that's what I feel Tony Schiavone was doing for Britt Baker during this match. So, And I get that like both in real life and in, on camera they're friends. And... When you have Tony Schiavone, who is like, I don't know, like a babyface commentator, and he's cheering on the heel, it just like is a weird dynamic. And it's a heel versus heel match, which is weird to begin with. So many problems with this. But the even if you take all that stuff away and you just look at the mechanics of the match, the match was bad. Yeah. All right. I definitely won't go and watch that. I won't you know, check out the things I fast forwarded through. All right. I am going to stick with AEW. And I'm going to go with a dislike. And now this is definitely not my dislikes, Joe, because uh, for the for the fact that, like, I ran out of dislikes. So I'm not <laughs> at all trying to shoehorn a like into a dislike. All right. So my dislike number two is the Darby Allen versus Wheeler Yuta match. All right. Now, this is definitely not in my dislikes because of the fact that I think that Wheeler Yuta should be protected at this point. He's new to television. You had him lose some matches on Dark before you realized, you know, what you have in him. So, like, maybe have him in there with people that he can beat. And obviously, Darby's a top guy. So let's get some wins under Wheeler's Wheeler's belt. But the reason why this is in my dislikes, Joe, is because of the heated confrontation between Orange Cassidy and that coward Sting. Sting glomming onto the hottest act in all of wrestling, like he's Hogan hitching his wagon to Hall and Nash, uh, and then stealing the audacity to steal Orange Cassidy's moveset. Um, 
Obviously, this is not going to lead to an Orange Cassidy versus Sting match because Sting just can't keep up with Orange Cassidy and he would not want second billing. Um, but yeah, this is in my dislikes for all those very credible and reasonable reasons that I just listed. Well, while I d- I'm going to disagree with you in regards to the handling of uh, Precious Paul Wheeler Yuta, um, is did he does he have some wins under his belt? Yes. Is he on TV and you feel as though he should be protected? Okay, those losses are coming against Sammy Guevara, whose position is like a top guy, if not future of the company. Uh, Darby Allen, if not a top guy, definitely a future of the company. And I wouldn't be surprised if next week Wheeler Yuta's matches against Jungle Boy. You know what I mean? Like, they know what they're doing with them. Because, like, you have your top tier guys and then you have, like, those guys that are, like, right underneath your Sammys, your Darbys, your Jungle Boys. And then... Wheeler's going to be right underneath them. You got to get there eventually, but you got to build the guys in the middle first before you start building the guys at the bottom. Um, but uh, the OC Sting confrontation is in my likes. Oh, see. <laughs> One of the greatest moments I've ever seen in the world of professional wrestling. Uh, <laughs> and this is my absolutely 100% biased opinion. When I saw them putting up the match graphics Wednesday afternoon or Tuesday night or whatever it was, and I see that it's uh, Yuta versus uh, Darby, and I see specifically Sting in Darby's corner, which is normal, and just OC in Wheeler's corner, not the whole best friends unit. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, the fact that it's just OC and just Sting, I go, they're going to do something with Sting and OC. I know it. And like what they did was exactly what they should have done, but yeah. it was one of those things that I'm like, Oh, I wouldn't have thought of that <laughs> because I wouldn't have thought that Sting would play ball with yeah. the Orange Cassidy nonsense. But not only did Sting do it because Sting, before being a professional wrestler, is a smart businessman. And you say that he's glomming on to Orange Cassidy. I know that he uh, is is going to play ball with one of the hottest acts in the company. Yeah. And... I tell you, I must have watched that segment a hundred times. I showed my wife on my phone after we were done because she knows OC. She was cracking up about it. Me and Jerry from Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium were texting about it last night. And uh, what did he say? He sent me the picture. And uh, he just he goes, we're just living in OC's dreams now. <laughs> like his dreams are now our reality. And I said, I'm here for it. You know? Yeah. I think some of the best things about that segment or that little confrontation is the fact that it, the physicality I use as with air quotes started with sting throwing the first kick, you know? And I think that that just adds so much more to it, you know, and that like, obviously orange Cassidy did the hands in the pockets thing, but uh, sting through the first blow and then the very slow motion pounding of the chest afterwards. Like that was like basically his version of the thumbs up. You know, so if this was in my likes, those would be the reasons why. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I only got a dislike left, but I got to go last. All right. I have a like left and I'm going to go with on the internet this week. You know, a lot of times, Joe, I'm sure you know that uh, the best way to sell a fight, to sell a show is to release uh, a promo and put it on the internet. Obviously we're in 2021. So you got to do that because that's how the kids see things. And I saw quite possibly one of the greatest uh, pre-match promos ever that was on the internet. And that was Broski reviewing the bootleg brawler of Nick Gage. 
Uh, this is basically where I've decided that all of Broski's promos, or really anybody's, should be based on just shitting on somebody's toy. You know, like uh, just bearing, like if they have a crappy basic or uh, original San Francisco toy makers or whatever is out there. Uh, if your opponent has a terrible doll, you need to do an unboxing of it and just tear it apart. But uh, my final like is uh, the Broski tearing apart Nick Gage's little, I forget what they were called, but it's not a micro brawler. But uh, and, and this has nothing to do with the fact that uh, this weekend I will be going along with Brett and along with DJ to see Broski become the reigning and defending GCW champion. And I hope before you get into it, I hope when he wins the belt, he does the Shane Douglas thing where he's like, uh, you know, talking about the legacy of the GCW belt. I'm sure somebody important has had that belt. I can't think of one, but I hope he throws it down and then holds up like the Internet champion ship. <laughs> like when when Shane Douglas threw down the NWA belt and christened the ECW title. I hope we get one of those because I think the crowd will come around to Broski's side when that happens. So when Broski wins the title this Saturday, do you think he's going to have a lot of time to linger uh, hang around and cut a promo, or do you think he's going to get the hell out of Dodge? <laughs> I think he's going to run away like Mike Awesome style, you know, like uh, when he did his brief return in, in ECW when he was a WCW guy. Oh, when, well, yeah, when he had to drop the belt, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I did watch that promo too, and outside of a flub where <laughs> Broski says that uh, he's not even going to bring the internet title into the building because he doesn't trust anyone at the building. Yeah. He's gonna he's gonna lock the he's gonna lock the belt in his car with his keys as well. <laughs> oh, Broski's not smart. <laughs> no, he's not. You're, that's correct. He's not smart. Um, but I will say it again here, and I will uh, quote. I very rarely do I retweet or quote tweet one of my own tweets. But when I said that that promo is the modern day equivalent of Dusty Rhodes cutting a promo <laughs> on WCW Saturday Night. In 1986, saying, I don't do jobs in front of 70,000 people. <laughs> Again, 1986, he goes on TV and says, I don't do jobs in front of that many people. Um, I don't think there's going to be 70,000 people at the Carousel Lounge or whatever the hell the place is or the GCW event is happening this weekend. Uh -huh. uh, but I would say that was a very good promo by Broski. Not on my likes, though. Oh, well, I'm sure, again, honorary third like. No. <laughs> All right, you have a dislike. I'm going to sit I, on back. All right, I do have a dislike. And Adam, you may have missed this uh, Wednesday uh, as this came and went in a blink of an eye, just a few hours. But again, it was out there enough. And in the world of internet, it doesn't matter the window of how long you have that out there. If it's bad enough, everyone will remember it. A promotion I've never heard of before called SWF Live out of New Jersey uh, announced that they were having a show on the Jersey Shore on 9-11. And if that wasn't at the Tom's River YMCA, keep that in mind. Okay. Uh, on 9-11, 2021, the 20-year the anniversary of one of the greatest tragedies to happen on American soil uh rob fury the promoter of swf live said internet hold my beer because swf wrestling live and the trifecta are happy to announce velveteen dream will be making his first wrestling appearance since his world wrestling entertainment departure Ugh. 
They then went on to say that he would be doing a separate meet and greet away from the rest of the show. Uh, and you would have to pre-order one of 100 limited edition signed things from the SWF people. Adam, as you may be surprised, that went over poorly. <laughs> um, many people, myself included, dunked on them and rightfully so for them. Uh, I And it's one thing when you send out tweets to promote your shows and stuff, but it's another one where you specifically send that one out and turn off the replies mm. to that particular tweet. Like, you know what you're doing is wrong. Yeah. So just a few hours later, uh, Rob Fury sends out a tweet that says, Tonight, now I'm going to read this verbatim, um, not unlike Gino Samuel, not unlike Ed Cody, um, reading a, uh, a Josh Barnett tweet, uh, not Josh Barnett, uh, Phil Baroni tweet, my apologies. Tonight we announced Velveteen Dream would be appearing at our home sweet home event. I believe any man can be slandered and have been through other situations in my life, unrelated but untrue. After careful consideration, Dream has been removed. Now, that is a jumbled mess of a sentence, but he then spent the rest of the evening blocking and reporting anyone that made any sort of remarks about this. So, the main thing that I want to say is, this Rob Fury person is very obviously someone with very bad intentions. And someone who is probably not a very good person. If he was willing to roll the dice on his credibility on Velveteen Dream. Pa Patrick Clark. Fuck calling him by his World Wrestling Entertainment name. And listen... Uh, sure, people are going to say, well, it was questionable, some of the stuff was exonerated, he said that he didn't know the kid that he was asking for shirtless pictures of to see what his physique looked like was a teenager. That's only what we know, okay? Um, there's a lot more stuff that he did that got him released from World Wrestling Entertainment. The stuff that we know about is only the tip of the iceberg. Whether you want to talk about him being difficult to work with uh, during the pandemic era, um, the multiple vacations from TV. Um, again, there I will just say there is no um, wellness policy at the NXT uh, Performance Center. Hmm. But if there was, multiple, multiple times. Um, but... I looked at who they book on their shows, and there was only two people that I recognized that they book, so there's not a lot of people that I have to shame. Uh, one is this guy, uh, Blackstrom, who's like an old Chikara guy. He's kind of come back into the Chikara fold recently uh, with Chikara going away. He's still in that crew. I don't know the guy personally, but if you're listening to this show and you do know Blackstrom personally, maybe have a talk with him. The other person that I recognize that they book on a regular basis and is their champion and lead heel is TJ Marconi. TJ Marconi, who after getting into a fight with my friend Chad on Twitter, drove from New Jersey to Pennsylvania, paying tolls both ways so that he can go to a student show for CZW and try to pick a fight with him while being dragged out by the security of the event saying, tweet me in person. He, TJ Marconi, along with his tag team partner, whose name escapes me, but somehow he gets a pass. We'll get into, I might have to get into that with some people off air. 
uh, we're at a Beyond show. Uh, a developmentally, developmentally challenged girl asked to get a picture with them. They made fun of her to her face because they're old school Memphis heels. Now, bear in mind, this was after the show, after all the fans had gone. They made fun of this girl to her face. The girl's mother then contacted them on Facebook asking them to apologize for what they did to her daughter. They then took those screen caps of the mother, posted those online, and made fun of the mother as well because they're old school Memphis heels. TJ Marconi is a breedable piece of shit. Those two things got him pulled from extra work at WWE, and now he just wrestles in podunk, loser, New Jersey independent promotions like this. If you know someone who wrestles for SWF Live, tell them that they're working for a pedophile enabler. Tell them that they're working alongside with someone who makes fun of developmentally challenged people to their face. Tell them. I just did. I'm telling you. I don't know. I looked at their roster. I looked at their last lineups. And outside of them booking Farouk, I don't have a rapport with Farouk. Hmm. If you do, tell Farouk he's working for someone who's a pedophile enabler. Allegedly. Hmm. Yeah, fuck all those guys, man. Yep. <laughs> Absolutely. Again, very little good happens in New Jersey. I think that's the moral of the story. <laughs> I don't know. Something good might happen. Depends on who you are. Yeah. Something good might happen this Saturday in New Jersey. Yeah, maybe. <sighs> maybe. Maybe two people will be sad. Maybe one person will be happy. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just picking one random car load leaving from Pennsylvania going to that event. Yeah. Well, I have a feeling on that random car load, like if, if the one guy is happy, I have a feeling that out of those other two that are like-minded, one of them is willing to like be happy for me or for, for happy for that other person. But the other one's going to be a hard liner. You know? uh, I'll have to figure that out. Anyway. Adam, I'll, I'll just say bring two extra shirts. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just in case. Uh, I'm not afraid of I'm not afraid of GCW fans. No, I mean give one to DJ and give one to Brett. Oh, okay. Oh, I get what you're saying. In case they want to switch sides, just in case. <laughs> Fair enough. So I think that's all we got in likes and dislikes, eh? Yeah, very snackable show this week so far. <laughs> so far. Well, yeah. again, we're gonna get into this real quick. Uh, there was no assignment this week, of course, because there was a uh, World Wrestling Entertainment pay per view. Um, my assignment for you, Adam, and the listeners next week, again, sometimes we're going to skip over some shows, sometimes we're not, but, uh, we are skipping over the Ontario show from June of 2021, and we're heading right over to the Syracuse show, smack in the middle from Chikara, uh, link to that will be in the show notes, it's available on Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium. Uh, I've gone over the card multiple times, the main event, uh, the top two matches on this show, um, Ophidian and, uh, Ophidian, Icarus, Johnny Gargano, and Chuck Taylor taking on Gran Akuma, El Generico, and the current, the show, the then 3.0, uh, Matt and Jeff, uh, they're calling themselves that now. I can call them Matt and Jeff now. I feel good being able to say their real names and not have to like, uh, what names are they going by now, son of a bitch? Mm-hmm. So uh, that and, of course, the main event, uh, Eddie Kingston defending the Grand Championship against Dasher Hatfield. Uh, No supplemental material to watch here, uh, but between this and the next Chikara assignment, there will will be a boatload. 
And by a boatload, I mean there's about seven or eight videos that total about six minutes. Yeah. Okay. But all very crucial. All right. I will give it a shot, begrudgingly. Not like I have any say in it, but. Right. But that's like two weeks from now because it's like this is this week. You have your assignment next week. And then when I assign the next Chikara show, that's when you got to watch all that supplemental material. All right. Well, we're probably at the part where I talk about other podcasts, right? Right. You do that and then I'll do the plugs. All right. Fair enough. Uh, Joe, there are still many, many podcasts out there, not limited to, but including Longbox Heroes, We Need Wrestling, Porch Talk, Wrestling Cheers Between the Sheets. Go check out the Ed Cody episode this week. Uh, The House Show podcast, which is on hiatus and has been temporarily replaced or supplemented by Hellions Talk. Uh, Viewer's Choice, Pod Van Dam, Not Another Sports Podcast, The A Show, and last but certainly not least, Final Wrestling Place. I throw this on at the end not to criticize Tim, but just to let Tim know that I know that I'm in his head. Uh, See you soon, Timmy. Oh, boy. (laughs) You too. I don't know. You guys got to get it on. You guys got to get along before you get it on, you know? (laughs) I'd be watching over my shoulder just in case Tim's going to sneak up on you, you know? Yeah, all right. Well, if it comes to that, yeah, I, I would just like to I would just like to defeat him handily, as I'm sure I will, in yet another appearance on the A-Show. But, uh, you know, whatever. Other people want to be on the show first. Yeah, so uh, we mentioned a bunch of times during the course of the show, Jerry's Internet Wrestling Emporium, uh, independentwrestling.tv. Uh, use the promo code at odds. You don't get anything free, but it tells Jerry uh, that you came to him by us. Um, and if you keep your subscription with them, we get some sort of kickback. Um, nothing actually streaming live this weekend. A rare weekend off at independentwrestling.tv. But just because of our recording schedule, uh, this upcoming Tuesday and Wednesday is night one and night two of Camp Leapfrog's Tag Champ Grand Prix. Uh, to see who the first ever Camp Leapfrog Tag Team Champions are going to be. Uh, You can also, in the show notes to any one of these episodes, make any and all of your Amazon purchases through our special click-through for At Odds With Wrestling. It doesn't cost you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Adam happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the fucking money. Yeah. Uh, Also, this month, up until the 6th of August, uh, they have bounties. You know, if you sign up for any of the prime supplemental things prime books prime music prime whatever we typically get if you sign up for the free trial we get two bucks that's normally how it works and that means you sign up on a monday and cancel on tuesday we still get the two bucks for prime video until august 6th you do that free trial you sign up on a monday you cancel on a tuesday we get 10 bucks yeah so uh if you want to help us out that way you can uh again it's so weird just because the way that prime works i I've been a Prime member so long, I didn't know that there's now separate tiers for things. Mm-hmm. You know, I just have, I have Prime membership, and that includes, like, the shipping, it includes video, it includes music, it includes books, because I've been grandfathered in, and I'm like, I'm paying the top-tier price for it, but it's absolutely worth it for the shipping, you know? Yeah. And the books, my wife's, a, you know, my wife is uh, a digital book reader. You know, if she like she reads like two books a week, so it like more than pays for itself there, you know? Yeah, I uh, I, us- I usually just make Todd buy stuff for me and <laughs> use his free shipping on his prime. But if you don't have access to a Todd, uh, go and get yourself a prime membership. 
And I can't imagine most people have access to Todd. <laughs> Uh, and last but not least, uh, RT Public stuff, tinyurl.com slash longboxheroes. They're the mothership. Everything goes there. Uh, any of those designs that are there, whether it be based on add-ons with wrestling, Longbox Heroes, Longbox Heroes After Dark, Final Wrestling Place, or uh, commemorating the Jingle Meister, David Kincannon himself. You can get those designs on anything from shirts to cell phone covers to tablets to throw pillows to tapestries. Uh, from now until Monday, everything is 35% off. Oh. So, yeah, yeah. Nice. All right, I think that's it for the show proper, right? Yeah, that's it for the show proper. All right. I think it's time for weekly purchases, Joe. And I have to admit, after last week's marathon of uh, purchases, I had a pretty light week, at least by my standards. By your standards? Yeah, by my standards, I didn't really, I don't even think I'm just kind of doing some math here. I might not have broken triple digits this week as like, far as like dollars. Oh, dollars. Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I will start it off with two quick ones and I'll throw it over to you. Uh, I, we've talked many, many times before about the McFarlane DC multiverse figures. Yes. Yeah, so it's kind of like their uh, Marvel Legends, you know. But uh, I picked up a couple of them that have been out for a while, but were starting to kind of dwindle on the shelves just because, you know, FOMO and all that. And it was the Walmart exclusive Grim Knight, which is basically Batman with a ton of guns. Uh, I picked that up as well as the Target exclusive Flashpoint Batman, which is obviously the Thomas Wayne Batman. Um, these were ones that I, every once in a while I'll see them on a shelf and I'm like, Oh, maybe I'll get that. Maybe I won't. And I don't think I realized that they were exclusives to the respective retailers. And once I found that, I was like, oh, I should probably buy these before they disappear. But, uh, I added them to my multiverse collection, which is slowly, uh, slowly getting worse and worse. And by worse, I mean bigger, but, uh, those were two quick ones there. And then I tweeted this out. Uh, I have never been. Uh, a Super 7 reaction guy. You know, they talk about it on the Toy Boy podcast all the time. Yeah. But I picked up an Optimus Prime Target exclusive reaction figure, which is basically like an all gray having just died Optimus Prime. Oh, okay. And, and I feel like I'm going to be going down a slippery slope of reaction figures. Because I was like, all right, I bought this. This was a Target exclusive. It was on sale. Uh, I wonder if they have a sound wave. Well, of course they have a sound wave. Let's see who else they have. Oh, they have a Devastator, and he's like three times the size of all the rest of them. I kind of need a Devastator. So they're all on my eBay like watch list. I haven't pulled the trigger on any of them, but uh, I feel like anytime you buy like a, a cheap collectible, like a Super 7 like reaction figure, it just it's bred, it's meant to be like an addicting thing, like a Funko Pop, because then it's like, oh, they're only like 15 bucks. I'll buy another one. And then all of a sudden, you know, you're homeless because all you have is these. <laughs> but right. yeah, I bought those. That's my first two things, three things. Uh, so, um, you know, obviously I don't include comic stuff on sure. here, um, you know, because every week that's like my one splurge for myself is that I go and get comics. Uh, this week I had to restock bags and backs uh, for my comics. Um, um, bags and boards, you mean? Bag, bags, I say backs. Don't no. say boards. It sickens me. <laughs> <laughs> but you may be familiar, because I think you've brought it up um, before when you were looking for, because you are the Michael Jordan of Azrael collect, figure collecting. I am, yes. Uh, those, they're like uh, Imaginax figures. They're like little baby toys, essentially. 
Uh, I think so. Yeah. Oh, they're, yeah. You're right. They're I, like I two inch. Them. They're like two inch figures. Like they have an articulation at the waist, the head, and the arms, and they have them pretty much for everything. Like Marvel side, DC side, Power Rangers, Star Wars, like any of the major properties, they have them. Right. Yep. Yep. It's all coming back. Go ahead. So my kid had them. He grew out of them, and we gave them to my one little cousin who's like four. Uh, we gave a bunch of them to him. Get him out of the house. Give him to a new home, right? Mm-hmm. Then my two-year-old nephew found, like, the bat cave at a yard sale, wanted it, but it had none of the figures on it. So my brother and his wife were out at the stores, and it was funny to hear a non-toy boy wrestling figure collector lament to me about dis- 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 distribution <laughs> problems because they went to the three Walmarts in our general area mm-hmm. and Target, and they could not find any of the Imaginex figures. They could find all the big play sets, but none of the figures, right? Yeah. So I just went on eBay and I bought like a lot of eights. It was like 16 bucks. It was like a sort of like Batman and Spider-Man ones, whatever. He's two. He'll be happy with it, right? Just so he has like little guys because all of ours were given away a year ago, which we sat on them, gave them to him. But it is what it is. So that was like my only weekly purchase this week. Again, more times than not, my weekly purchases for other people. Maybe next week I'll have some uh, weekly purchases just to discuss for me. <laughs> more on that maybe in a minute. But uh, yeah. all right. So just two other real quick things um, to satisfy my Funko Pop addiction and to just keep it wrestling related through the major podcast group, uh, Facebook group. I saw there was an Andre the Giant's walmart exclusive funko pop and it's like one of those oversized ones it's like 10 inches or yeah um and it's just one of them that always like escaped my grasp and somebody put it up for 20 bucks shipped and i think these retailed like maybe 20 at originally maybe 18 so it was like oh 20 bucks shipped great i'll take it uh and then right after i bought that like a day later somebody else listed one at 15 dollars shipped and I was like, well, if I liked it at 20, I love it at 15. So I bought two of them. <laughs> uh, and the funny thing is, like, there was a Fezzik from Princess Bride, Andre the Giant Funko, that I got, like, a year ago that was a New York Comic-Con exclusive. And that was oversized as well. And I ended up with two of those just through my, like, psycho brain wanting, like, to make sure I got a mint one. So now I have, I have basically four Andres, two and two. Uh, the only other thing that I have on here, Joe, and this is something that I bought weeks and weeks ago, probably uh, probably about a month ago, and I didn't add it to my weekly purchases because originally I had ulterior motives with this purchase, but I got second thoughts, and I'm going to just say what it is now because uh, I purchased on eBay a pair of DVDs, a matching pair of DVDs, uh, the two exact copies of the same thing. Uh, and it cost me a total of $8 shipped for the pair. And it was the WWE Superstar Collection Best of Zack Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> I bought two copies, Joe, because I was going to present you with one and tell you that it was show homework. <laughs> but I've decided that, uh, unfortunately, uh, you and I would watch it. Uh, I'm sure you'd go kicking and screaming, but you would watch it. But there would be no way for anybody else to participate along with the homework. 
Uh, so I've decided to scrap that idea and just tell you, and oh, well, I'm out $8. But uh, I, uh, like I said, I, I, I have the match listing here. Oh, actually, here it is. Uh, and I just want to let you know real quick of what you are missing out on by me skipping this as a show homework assignment. Now, this is from the the best of Zack Ryder, by, mind you. So I'm sure these are all like five-star Tokyo Dome matches. But uh, we had Zack Ryder versus Christian taking place in ECW, by the way. Okay. Uh, Zack Ryder with Hugh Jackman versus Dolph Ziggler with Vicky Guerrero. We had Zack Ryder and John Cena versus The Miz and R-Truth. We had a match billed as the special social experiment, Zack Ryder versus John Cena. We had Zack Ryder and Randy Orton versus Dolph Ziggler and Wade Barrett. And lastly, for the United States Championship, we had Zack Ryder versus Dolph, Dolph Ziggler. Lots of Ziggler on this this thing here. I'm looking at like a couple matches. But uh, anyways, like I said, eight bucks ship for the pair. But I am letting you out of that just because, again, logistically wise, Nobody can really participate unless they feel like uh, spending or wasting money on the same DVD. I, I do recall maybe about two years ago, maybe three years ago, those were regular bin fillers at Dollar General's. Yeah, yeah, that's where I originally heard about it, and yeah. I was going to go and dig through, uh, but I ain't going to no Dollar General. I'm a fancy gentleman, so I just went on eBay, and they were dirt cheap there, so... Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's, it'll be your Christmas present. Maybe it'll be a little stocking stuffer for you. <laughs> I do need a new coaster or something to do blow off of, you know? <laughs> One or the other. Yeah. Well, that's it for me, Joe. And uh, I just don't foresee either of us spending any money in the foreseeable future. Okay. So there's one... Again, with the next seven days, there's one for sure. And I'll save it for next week, okay? Yeah. But there's two that we need to have a discussion about, okay? All right. Uh, one is announced today. Uh, no date when it's coming, of course, because this week is San Diego Comic-Con at home. Uh, is the great zombie sailor with his heels and faces. Uh, Hasbro alike, whatever's, has been announcing figures. Uh, like, the, what's going to be in Series 2, right? Mm-hmm. So yesterday, uh, Tuesday, they announced that they were going to be doing a Jack Tunney figure. Yeah. Uh, if it doesn't have authentic OVP swearing action, I don't want it. <laughs> but then today, Wednesday, as we record this, they're doing a Raven figure. Oh, Raven. Yeah, the boss. Hey, Raven. <laughs> now, that's a gimme. I got to get a Raven figure, right? Absolutely. I got the Brian figure coming. Um, I got to get a Raven figure. Um, so this is where the issue comes in is, of course, other figures that ha there's going to be more announcements. Uh, Friday, I'm sure Saturday, there's going to be more announcements, right? Yeah. You would assume that Raven would be the biggest announcement. But obviously, if Raven's on a Thursday, there's probably going to be somebody bigger on a Friday, you know? Possibly, yeah. I don't know how you get bigger than Raven, but... Mm -hmm. two ravens <laughs> so that's the thing if we're doing it like thematic from like the time i guess you know they don't really do it that way but in my mind like we've seen raven figures for every promotion there's been a wwf one a wcw one an ecw one a tna one give me a scotty flamingo figure 
Yeah. Give me, like, in the old Hasbro style, give me a Johnny Polo figure, you know? Yeah, yeah, that that would be a good idea. Oh, oh, what would happen if that was, like, a chase, Joe? Like, obviously, that's not the business model to have a unique mold or whatever for Zombie Sailor, but can you imagine there to be, like, a one out of ten chase of Scotty Flamingo? You'd oh, go broke. God. Yes, I would. <laughs> so I was really thinking about um, doing the Power and Glory set that they announced, and, like... So they announced Paul Roma, and I'm like, okay, they're going to do Hercules. It's power and glory. They tip the hand. Mm. Um, they have one-man gang. They have Slick. They have Todd Pettengill. I could pass on the Todd Pettengill. Mm. I don't need one-man gang. But then I sit here, and I think to myself, I, like, I'm good at talking myself out of stuff, right? Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, before the Raven announcement, I'm like, okay, if they have power and glory, Slick was their manager. I could get all three, right? Sure. <laughs> but now that they announced Raven, that just bumped all three of those off. Oh, really? They're not I'm not getting them. I can't. Because it's it's too it's getting too slippery. <laughs> um I don't so, know. Like, go ahead. So I just gotta see who the next announcement is to see what's gonna happen. Is there somebody that could bump Raven off using that logic? Like obviously. Power and Glory and Slick got bumped off by Raven. Is there somebody powerful enough in your mind that would bump off Raven? Where you can't buy the Raven and this other guy. It's one or the other. No, okay, so no, no, no. So that's the thing. There's, there's no, okay. Any of the guys that you're saying that would quote unquote bump Raven off ain't bumping Raven off. Um, Like if they tomorrow announce a Terry Funk, I'm getting Terry Funk and Raven. If no, they announced Cactus Jack, I'm getting Cactus Jack and Raven. If they announced uh, Brian Danielson, I'm getting Brian Danielson and Raven, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I can't think of anyone that would bump Raven off. Raven's like the top. But Raven bumped off three other figures. Well, I mean, your Raven is greater than Power and Glory and Slick. You know, I mean, I think that's uh, power, like I said, Power and Glory with Slick is pretty badass. Yeah. Not as badass as Raven. <laughs> but you see, you're not playing along with my game. I'm saying in a hypothetical world where you can only buy one. I, I can't think of anyone. Raven's <laughs> you, the pinnacle. So if there was a Terry Funk and a Raven and you could only get one, you'd get the Raven? Yeah. Oh, all right. I'll 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 make sure everybody knows that next Terry Tuesday. I think everybody listening knows. <laughs> but that's so that's the thing. In your scenario, I can only get one. I'm getting Raven. In the real world, they announced Terry Funk tomorrow. I'm getting Raven and Terry Funk. Yeah. No, I know. All right. I think that I'm glad that I I say this with no proof, but I'm not going to go down the slippery slope of the, these Hasbro knockoffs. Like, I've already bought the Broski and Myers ones, but I think that might be it for me. I don't even know if I would buy like a smart mark at this point. I'm I don't know if you know this, Joe. We're in the uh the late summer of financial responsibility. <laughs> and I, I think I gotta make some cuts, you know? Well just pre-orders and stuff like that. So that brings up an interesting question. All right. Uh we talked about it last week. Um or no, I talked about it on Longbox Heroes this week. The uh Mattel uh scare glow figure. Okay. And intentionally i missed the pre-order oh yeah that happened earlier today on on mattel's website right and it sold out i intentionally missed the pre-order because i knew if i was sitting there watching it i'd get it right 
So I made sure that I was busy, you know, idle hands of the devil's play thing, whatever. But as we record this tomorrow, the World Wrestling Entertainment Ultimate Edition New Generation Arena goes up. Oh, yeah. So when I first, as this was slowly coming out, right? The first thing that I see is just the entrance stage with the yeah. LED lights. And I'm like, oh, I want that entrance way. Then I see the ultimate edition Kevin Nash diesel figure. And I'm like, hot oh, that's Big Daddy cool. Ultimate <laughs> editions are beautiful. I want that. Yeah. Then they put up the ring, okay? Authentic scale ring, um, metal turnbuckles, actual wood planks underneath the canvas, you know, that you have to put it together yourself. And then it's one of those, um, like, it's not so much the Kickstarter, but they've done this before. You know, Broski always refers to it as the back the barge thing. Yeah. Yeah, because um, what they'll do is they'll say, okay, you know, our target might be, you know, a thousand units or whatever. And then if we hit that target, we'll start adding in these other things. And there's all these stretch goals. And the more and more people buy it, the cheaper it becomes to manufacture and they can start adding in other things. Right. So they're looking at a minimum of 5,000, okay? okay? I think they're going to get that no problem. Oh, yeah, I think uh, so. It's estimated ship date is next year. And I don't know if you saw the video announcing it. I did not. Okay, one of the stretch goals that they tease is Ultimate Edition Doink. Okay, yeah, I saw the still photo of the hammer. Right. So here's the problem. That's $250 is way too much goddamn money. And that ring is huge. And I do not have the space for that. So that is the break for me. I'm not getting this. Oh. I, I want that entrance waste in the worst way. If someone was willing to go in and get it and just sell me the entrance way, I'd be cool. Because I love that entrance way. Yeah. So here's what well, I, I could tell you regarding this. It, based on the track record of the uh, the sand skiff or like the barge that uh, they, they did. They just sorry. did the one recently for um, whatever Mandalorian ship is called. Yeah, the Razor Crest. Yes. Yeah. So like based on the track record of those, like there is 0.0% chance that you won't quadruple your money within a year of having that thing. For sure. If you were going to sell it, obviously. And I know your goal is to pull that thing out, like pull out the entrance way. But I think that you can easily sell that ring Lucy, like disassembled for 500 bucks. Because there's always going to be somebody who's like didn't back it. You know, oh, I didn't know about that. Like a day after it closes. And just based on the pictures alone, this is the absolute top notch best ring ever made. You know, like you get to reenact, recreate Marcus's favorite wrestling spot, which is you tear off the canvas and expose the boards. Right. You know? <laughs> uh, like I, I know you want that interest rate, but think of it like you can, you're drop 250. You get to go along on the ride of seeing all the cool things are added. So maybe they add doink. Maybe, they, you know, you get uh, diesel, obviously. And then you can cherry pick the things you want out of it and then sell everything else for the same, if not more, than you paid. 
Like, can I, let me say, if I could interest you in putting up $250 and then getting a free entrance ramp or a free entrance way and a free diesel figure and then getting your $250 back, maybe more, I think you'd be interested in that scenario. So here's the other thing that gets around it. Okay. I currently am a mitten box collector. I okay. need to know that that diesel comes in a box, a display box. Yeah, I have a feeling that that's just going to be in like a baggie or something. Okay, so that's a strike against it as well. As much as I love that entranceway and want that entranceway, that entranceway means I got to start unboxing my figures because what's that entranceway with a bunch of figures in the boxes? Yeah, but don't you like your Orange Cassidy is Lucy? Like your uh, I got I got an Orange Harper. Cassidy, I got a Cesaro, I got a a uh, 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 Luke Harper, Luce, sure. Okay. So you're sometimes a Lucy and you're sometimes a Minton Box. I just feel well, no. So the the Cesaro I have I had you know Cesaro was I got it when I you know my kid got it and he opened it. He was two, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, slapped the, his hand. The Luke Harper I got two, one to keep in the box and one to open, right? Yeah. And then all the other Luke Harpers I have are still in the box, but that was just the first figure I wanted to hit two on that. Um, and the OC, I wanted to have two, one to open and one to, you know, keep in the box and get signed and whatever else it was like that. But this 250 could be earmarked for things that I don't have to wait a year on and then have to go through the thing of flipping it, you know? Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You don't have, it's not like the price is going to go up between now and when the, uh, the, the I, I almost said Kickstarter, but like you have a year to jump on board. No. 30 no? days. Oh, really? Yes. They're oh, only I, thought having... they went, I thought they went on longer. I misunderstood that. No, no, no. So uh, if I if I remember this correctly from the video, um, only, fi only 50,000. Uh, when will I be charged? You can charge at any time. Uh, I'm almost certain that they said that this was only going to be like they were only going to do it for, okay, uh, okay, th 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 so here, uh, the campaign ends on the 22nd of August. Okay. So it only run like I said, it runs for 30 days. Hmm. And then that, that okay, because I feel like, and I could be completely wrong about this, but I feel like they talked about like the, the, the Razor Crest for like, like a couple months on Broski and Hawkins, you know? Just because they were like, oh, this was added, and then this was added, and then, you know, it felt like it was like an ongoing news story. And yeah. I just, yeah, okay, maybe it's just in my mind that I thought that these went much longer. All right, so if it comes out, or if the close of the campaign is the 22nd, our show on the 19th, we need to revisit this. Okay. And see if, I'm going to write this down, see if there was anything added that might sway you one bit. Right. then, you know, whatever, things happen. I think this is a, more on this story as it develops. Yeah, but I just wanted to throw that out there. That's that's something I we need to discuss on the show. Like I said, the Ravens a gimme. Whenever that goes, uh, you know, that's a day one pre-order. No yeah. questions asked. I'm excited to see what Zombie's going to announce tomorrow to see if he's going to have any more announcements after tomorrow. Um, but like I said, I... So I did get, like, I did get those Hasbros growing up, but, like, I was more of an LJN, and, you know, I only got up to, like, Series 2 or Series 3 of the Hasbros, but, like I said, getting the Brian, getting the Raven, maybe another one we'll talk about next week.
Mm. Um, yeah. I could see myself getting more of those, the, 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 the heels and faces line as they add more people, but I don't need to be the whole set collector. Like I don't need Dino Bravo. I don't need Sabu. I don't need Earl Hebner. I don't need Jack Tunney. Yeah, no, I agree wholeheartedly. And, uh, I don't know. I, for a moment, I was like, oh, maybe I want a Raven. But then I remember they're like 35 bucks. I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> yeah, you do want Raven. Come on, it's the boss. It's Raven. <laughs> I do want Raven. I don't want him $35 worth, though. Well, if you're a, if you're a Broski and Hawkins Patreon $5 and up person, don't you get it like early in a discount or something? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, you do. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I know about the early. I didn't know there was a discount. Um, let me look at my. Because yeah, I mean, I didn't purchase the last, the last. Uh, no, there. My apologies. They're not a discount. My apologies. I yeah. thought there was a lower price. Nah, you cut me out, Joe. I paid you full price. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> I don't know. This is great. Great podcasting right here. Was ah, like, stop it. <laughs> you know it's the best all right i'm just looking up the price of the 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 hasbro knockoffs i don't think he still has them for still has pre-order yes it's pre-order closed sold out sold out sold out everything's sold out nothing has their prices on them because they're all sold out Ah, oh, you son of a bitch mm. all right well, I hope they don't jack up the price on the Raven, knowing the demand that's going to be coming. Yeah, up. it's going to be a huge demand because it's Raven. I know. All right. I think that's it for us today. Very snackable short episode this week. Was it? It was. No, it, it was like an hour 15. <laughs> snackable is like 41 minutes. Come on. <laughs> uh, so... Thank you, everyone, uh, for listening to episode 148 of At Us with Wrestling. For Adam, this is Joe saying thanks for listening. Be safe, everyone, and enjoy some wrestling. Listening to the soon to be named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.